Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at anyone interested in child health. Apologies for not running our originally planned podcast on metabolic disease. We had a bit of a technical error. But today we have our second Reflections podcast and we have had a reflection submitted by a Welsh trainee, which I'm going to read now. So this reflection is done in the De Bono Six Thinking Hats. White Hat Information A number of current paediatric trainee doctors were sitting in upcoming practical examination, which was their final exam before coming members of the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health. One of the many stations the examinees have to do is on a developmental assessment of a child. I offered to do a teaching session on this for the trainees as part of a five-week course run by the University Hospital of Wales in the run-up to the exam. Due to a gap in their schedule, the organisers of the course asked if I could bring my teaching session forward by two weeks. Unfortunately, they asked me two days before the new date they wanted me to cover. Blue hat thinking. I wanted to help. The organisers are colleagues and friends and I didn't want the trainees to have wasted their slot on their calendar. However, I hadn't planned to put my session together until the upcoming weekend. Accepting the change in date would mean that I would have very little time to prepare for the teaching session. Red Hat Feelings While I was teaching, I was acutely aware of my lack of preparation. I felt off kilter for the session and felt unsure of myself. I felt like I'd rushed a lot of the material unnecessarily because I didn't have a firm grasp as to what the structure of my session would be. Alongside this, in my rush to get the materials ready, I think I overestimated the knowledge of the trainees. The foundation of a developmental assessment is taught in medical school and is a regular part of paediatric practice. Awareness of developmental milestones Developmental milestones are essentially a series of ages at which you'd expect the average child to master a new skill. I'd expected trainees less than a month from their final exam to have already dedicated some of their own time to having a solid knowledge of these, particularly if they'd been working regularly in paediatric for a few years. However, they had clearly not revised this recently. Without this prior knowledge at the forefront of their minds, The hints and tips I was offering them for exams did not have the appropriate context. This made me feel like I'd failed in giving them adequate teaching, which was frustrating and demoralising. Yellow hat. Brightness and optimism. I tend to mix my approaches to teaching. I have never been a fan of passive learning and sitting through lectures, and this is often reflected in my own teaching sessions. I had managed to prepare a volunteer mother and child who would allow the trainees to carry out a developmental assessment on them. This gave the students good early exposure to the practical application of the theory work I'd been through with them and the opportunity to do it under the conditions they would meet in the exam. I'd also printed off a very relevant article for them to read after the session to help consolidate what they'd learnt. Black Hat Judgment What didn't go so well? The teaching session was only for an hour, with the latter half of that time dedicated to them practising with the volunteers I'd brought in. That made the first half tight for time as I had to cover a lot of theory very quickly and this was before I became aware that the trainees weren't as aware of the ages of milestones as I'd hoped. 
Not only was time tight, but having not covered developmental milestones made it difficult for the trainees to grasp the teaching that built on these concepts. Green Hat. Creativity. What could be done differently? What are your ideas on possible alternative courses of action? 1. Preparation. It's not always possible to be completely prepared for a teaching session, as you can never predict when sessions will be moved. With this in mind, there are three possible courses of action to consider. A. Get the material ready as soon as you know there's a teaching session to teach. That way, if things are moved forwards, you're already prepared. 1. Advantages. Always ready and no last minute stress. 2. Disadvantages. Could forget material if large time gap between preparation and presentation. B. Refuse to move the teaching session. 1. Advantages. Always plenty of time to prepare. Prevents delivery of subpar teaching. 2. Disadvantages. Not very helpful to colleagues, organisers or trainees. Bad reputation. Not always possible to refuse. C. Adaptation. When I had the feeling that the trainees didn't have the required background knowledge, I could have gone back and covered this in more detail before moving on. 1. Advantages. Possible in situations where teaching unexpectedly brought forward. Allows for more dynamic teaching. 2. Disadvantages. Can slow teaching down. Not possible in situations with limited time. Don't assume prior knowledge. Perhaps next time, a short quiz to assess and supplement background knowledge would help. 3. Consider splitting this into two sessions in the future, perhaps one where theory is covered and a separate session for them to practice with the child. A. The problem with this is that practicing doesn't take very long and can't justify an entire slot on its own. I'll give these a try next time. I'm just not sure which yet. Hello everybody, I'm Dr Stacey Harris and I'm joined today by Dr Asim Javed, Hi. Dr Pramod Balabanani Hi. and, and Marianne Jenkins. So Marianne Jenkins is an advanced nurse practitioner with a vivid interest in teaching. Yeah. Pramod is the educational lead for paediatrics in Wales and uh, Asim is the lead for written exam teaching uh, in Wales as well. So today we're going to do our podcast uh, on reflections. So uh, I know you've read the reflection, um, Marianne. Yes. And uh, so, what did you think was good about it? Um, I think you know, like with any reflections, just having a structure that you're using to reflect on is is always a good starting point. Um, I think the the fact that it's we've we've got clear view from what's um, what's written as what was going on, what were the concerns of the person that's written it, um, and why they were writing it and what they were looking at. I think it was quite a good topic to reflect upon. Um, it was a teaching experience that things hadn't gone entirely to plan, 
caused them some concern about their planning, how they were arranging things. And it's always good to sort of think about, we often think about reflection do working on clinical situations where actually our practice encompasses far more than just our clinical skills. So it's quite nice looking at other aspects of practice and our personal development. So I thought it was quite good. The Debono structure was quite a new one for me. I hadn't seen anyone use that as reflection before, but I think we'll uh, be discussing that further anyway. What do you think, Greg? I, I, I thought it's a very honest and open reflection, as reflection should be. So I've always said this about reflection. Reflection is putting your inner soul thoughts in a very objective way. And I must agree with Marianne, I've never seen this type of reflection. So I think that's challenging the norm. And I think, you know, reflection shouldn't be confined to a set process. But if you look at uh, educationally, always you're either taught the Sean's model of reflection, which he talks about reflection in action and reflection after action. So whilst you're running a resuscitation scenario, you can reflect what's happening quite quickly, but that reflection happens from knowing what to do. Or you could reflect after. I think most trainees would reflect after, but sometimes you can have a reflection in action moments. Or the classic Gibbs reflective cycle. So where you are in the whole cycle of reflection, the event is happening, what could I have done better? The Bonos, I think, is a completely different, refreshing, I would say, definitely, reading through you know, the different hats that you've described. It's a model which could be used for reflection, I think, just reading through it, but hasn't been done before. But that doesn't mean it can't be done. But I think in terms of that courage to put it out there, but also to see what you could learn from, isn't it? Reflection is what has happened, what might happen, or I think, you know, you'll add further to, there's a chap called Driscoll who mm. gives a completely new way of uh, reflection. So there are multiple theories and styles of reflecting, but I think in a sense, it is putting your inner self out to show your own self. And also I think as there's a chap called Hogan who talks about reflection as what you are within is what you're outside. So what you feel inside, in a moment, you're putting it outside. So I think it's building that inner self, and that's where I felt this reflection was quite personal, uh, as well as quite looking at an in-depth way of what could be done better, but completely using a different approach. Yeah, so I suppose what you're saying as well is that uh, as trainees doing reflections, we shouldn't be scared to try something else and not go with the stepwise thing that uh, is on our e-portfolio and um, perhaps if that's not working for you and it's not you're not reflecting it's best that you could then just try something else and look into other different types of reflections. Yeah I've found on e-portfolios that I've used in the past the reflective model that they've got the one on the BMJ portfolio and the one on the Royal College of Emergency Medicine one which I've used previously didn't lend itself well to the reflection I've always done as a nurse and it's reflection is really ingrained in our practice it's you know it, it's very much part of our, our academic assessments a lot of the time, as well as our day-to-day -day learning. You know, it, it, it's very much our bread and butter. Um, so I'd found actually using the models that were out there electronically didn't fit in with anything that I needed to do. So I, my preferred model is, is Driscoll, the sort of what's and what's now what approach that can be as in-depth or as superficial as you need it to be, depending on the situation and what you're trying to get out of the reflection. Um, I think one of the things that I always think about reflection when I'm, I'm talking about it with anyone else is, is why are you doing it? What 
what in what context is this for? Because we have to reflect academically, we have to reflect for revalidation, I have to reflect for my portfolio to prove that I'm ongoing in my practice and development. So you, you have to think of the context in which you're reflecting as to which model you may want to use for that particular time, and which is why I quite liked the challenge of something like De Bono's and when you think, well, actually, if I was reflecting as a group, if we were looking as a, a group thing that happened, mm. that would lend itself very well because it's a model that's for that type of bringing people together and controlling a large discussion group. Um, so if you had a feedback reflective episode from a, a resuscitation situation where you have got a group of people, it might be something that would allow a collective reflection. So maybe something that we could trial in our departments in the future just to see whether or not something else from other the things that we're doing would, would work in a different way. If I just may add to Marion's point there, I think what Marion is saying makes a lot of practical sense. So it's a problem-solving approach to that problem, particularly in this reflection where things didn't go as planned, but how you could make this to a wider learning experience. So in fact, it's a great idea to turn a reflective moment into a teaching experience for everybody else involved as well. And I think that's where we should see reflection as a strength and not as a weakness. Mm. I, I think just to throw in, so my, as we are, are on the topic of, you know, De Bono's, I know we're going to talk a bit more about it. I think what I happen to personally really like about it is it has a very non-linear approach to it. Essentially, all six hats are worn at the same time and you're just shifting perspective on the same events. Whereas a lot of the things we have, uh, you know, even on um, Kaizen, our current reflective portfolio, it's a very stepwise pr pr approach. This is what happened. This is how I felt. This is, these are my thoughts around it. This is what I'm going to do in the future, which actually adds a linearity, which I don't think you know, actually happens in the situation. You know, in reality, that's not what's happening with a reflection. And often those thoughts, feelings, and changes in practice all happen as a sort of mass, as a nebulous mass at the same time. I think what I did like about, even though it's a bit of an unusual approach, I think what I did like about the, you know, the use of De Bono's here is that it allows you to use that, view that nebulous mass of thoughts from different perspectives and actually just see it as one event happening at one time, which I quite liked as a, as a philosophical approach to reflecting. Yeah, um, I'd never really thought about it like that before. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about so many good points about this reflection, haven't we? Is there anything that you can you think could be improved on this reflection? I think the only thing I was looking at is, is why are you reflecting on it? Because that will impact on what goes into your reflection and we're all acutely aware in in healthcare of, of our reflective practice and whether or not it stays personal and private whether it's shared with our supervisors or whether it gets shared more widely and the potential ramifications of that so i think there is a a, a fear around it so and that's where within this is while it's honest and you can see the struggles that the the person had who was writing it with the situation with things not going to plan it, it is where is this going to be and how that then gets used how it gets taken forward can actually change how you write so it's always that context of it that makes me wonder about how it's written it's very easy to write not so much in this one um, but reading other reflections it's very easy to do it you know, off path as it were. You you just write it because you know what to say. You know what the tick boxes out of it, and I think that's the danger with reflections. 
I didn't see that in this one. I saw a little bit of crisis. <laughs> to be fair, I think it was very honest um, mm. about that things hadn't gone to plan and it actually caused them quite a bit of discomfort with the, the situation not turning out as it would do. So I think from that point of view, I don't know that there was much to be improved, but again, my, my you don't know which context that this is. Was this a, you know, a personally honest one? Is this something that then is going to be used as part of development that might actually need to be changed slightly as a result of it? Yeah, that would be a real shame, wouldn't it, if yeah. um, reflections weren't honest and open because of thought that it might be used in a way that it wasn't intended, isn't it? That's a, that would be a real shame. What do you think could be improved from the reflection promoted? Personally, reflecting on my day-to-day activities or even for my appraisal is, I, I've come away from thinking, and I've, this is a big shift in my mm-hmm. thinking process, that I always used to think reflection is quiet and personal, this is just for me. But I think reflection is as action-oriented as it should be. So my reflection can be somebody's learning of not to repeat that mistake so it shouldn't be, you know, my earlier thought process of reflection was it's my in my quiet and personal space, I'm going to hide it away. But when people started giving me feedback or reflection, I realized, oh, somebody's reading my reflection and is giving me feedback on how I've reflected. So I challenged that opinion on how can you give feedback on reflection when reflection is personal? Does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, you see, yeah. it is my open and honest personal reflection. But Reflection is being marked these days in universities. Yeah. Yeah. So how how do we come around that concept? So I think we should take away that quite impersonal thing into a much more action-oriented reflection because we are marking reflection. We're giving feedback on reflection. And I think um, I've written this down just to remember myself. A chap called Confucius said about wisdom that you first learn by reflection you, which is the noblest of all. Second, by imitation. We imitate people, we learn from them, which is easiest. And third, by experience. So if you see the reflection we're talking about, this is, we're learning with the experience, though it is a bitter experience. So you see, reflection, therefore, is action-oriented rather than a quite impersonal hide it away in the corner. Yeah, so um, I think that's a really lovely point, actually. And I've learned a lot from consultants that I've worked with where they've said, this has happened to me, this is what I did, and this is what I learned from it, and this is what I do differently, because you're not always going to be able to be part of an experience until it actually happens to you. So if you can learn as much from other you know, consultants and other people that you've been working with, then I think, yeah, it, it would be make everybody's learning better, really, isn't it? Okay, so what advice would you have from your own experiences that would help the trainee um, with the problem they faced? You are not alone when your teaching goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it has happened to all of us. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know that it went wrong in this situation. I think it was a situation where actually a change of plans had brought something forward. The usual prep that we all like to do because we want to do well and we want to do well, particularly when we're teaching someone else. Things hadn't really come together on the day. And that can happen with as much preparation in the world. Um, I turned up with loads of preparation on the wrong day myself um, mm. to turn up the next day to do it, which by which time I'm completely discombobulated. Um, and I remember doing a, a lecture about um, 
trauma and quadropathy, and I could not say tranexamic acid, <laughs> uh, which was slightly challenging all the way through, particularly when it was 120 undergrad students. So it was a little bit of an awkward moment at which I went and hid in the room after until my shame had left me. But we, we all have times where things don't go to plan and you, you can plan beautifully. So I think it's, it is accepting the fact that teaching and education and those situations, even in the best ideal situations, doesn't always work well. And it's accepting that it'll go wrong doesn't really matter, as long as you, you know, recognise that you've done what you can at the time. What do you think, Samaritan? I think it'll happen again. Sorry, I'm saying that. <laughs> because because as, as Marianne was saying, with the best of preparation, things will go wrong. Mm. Sometimes way without your control. You could have had that all that prep lined up and your PowerPoint may fail, or I'm just giving practical examples, you know, like for the people didn't turn up. So it'll all happen again. But I think the whole idea is how do you rise again to do the same with a lot more strength and a lot more. But also plan B all the time. Mm -hmm. That's what I keep telling myself. Yeah. So if you, if you have plan A and that's the only plan, mm -hmm. then whilst you've invested heavily into it and you do not have plan B, I think there will be days where you have to bring plan B quite quickly into action. Mm -hmm. I don't think it affects much to this reflective account, but yeah. I think overall, if you were to teach, be ready for plan B, be ready for the PowerPoint to fail, be ready for the technical difficulties um, and lots of challenges that come your way. But the key thing is as long as you enjoy teaching and you mm -hmm. love teaching, these experiences will only embolden you to become that better teacher because I don't think anybody is the perfect teacher. No, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, another thought, I mean, uh, uh, when going through this refraction that I, I had around it was, it seemed to a degree that the, the decision to bring that teaching forward was at the end of the day a choice, like they were asked, do you mind doing this, you know, tomorrow or the day, I can't remember exactly when, rather than in two weeks time. So that choice was put towards the person there. And if they felt so ill prepared, I feel like everyone should feel empowered to say, I know I know that this is a problem for you, but I'm not ready to do this. You should feel comfortable just saying, no, I'm not ready to teach tomorrow. I've got something on my plan. I'll never have everything ready. And it would be doing a disservice to the learners if I bring this forward. I feel people should feel more comfortable to say no. Because uh, just because uh, it's a problem for the other person doesn't mean you need to add it to your plate of problems. And I'm, I'm not saying that to be like rude or dismissive of people who organize these teaching programs. But, you, you know, you have to be realistic about whether you can actually serve your students well in circumstances like this. So, you know, being comfortable with just saying, no, I don't think I'll be ready to do this tomorrow, not effectively, should be something that people, you know, take away in circumstances like that. Just to add a point mm. to what you're saying, Asim, but once you're an educational leader, so there's one thing mm. is clinical leadership. I'm a firm believer in educational leadership. Mm. Those things will happen under your supervision. Yeah. So having that quick, you know, whilst I completely agree with everything you've said, but sometimes it comes to you as that educational leader on the day, mm. if you're in charge, to come up with that alternative, and it might happen very quickly. Oh yeah. And it has to happen rapidly, and it happens. Uh, so I, and it's just to bear that in mind as well. So mm. whilst. You should have the freedom to say no, but also think of the students or the trainees who are going to be there. Mm -hmm. that how do we respect their time? Because I think it's all about mutual respect in a teaching session. Mm -hmm. So you're respecting their time. Yes, your colleague can't do it. 
it might be too short notice for you to, but at the same time, not putting up just a presentation for the sake of it. So it's all those balances. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, it tests you. I tell you, it's not easy, <laughs> but, it, but it'll happen and it'll test you. Yeah. Okay. So we have talked a little bit about the De Bono Six Thinking Hat. And so what do you think about it? I think I've used it previously when I've done project management work, so I'm more comfortable using it in that situation. Certainly trying to, when you are trying to change attitudes and look at sort of change management stuff, it works quite well in those situations. So it was quite, it blew my mind a little bit. I have to say, when I started reading it as a reflection, it's like, what is this? This witchcraft, (laughs) strangeness going on here. Um, So it's taken me a little bit of sort of thinking and reflecting on it as to we, you know, so I'm I'm game to give it a go for my next sort of half decent reflection I need to do because we all do sort of short, short, sharp stuff, which is why I quite like the Driscoll um, model for it. Um, But um, I think, yeah, it's probably worth trying it because you never know there and it's nice as, as we've talked before about other models such as gibbs there are times when you have to use different things for different situations mm-hmm. you know and there's challenging situations that i think of that i've had in the past where actually driscoll wouldn't have been sufficient it, it doesn't go deep enough it, it and it is quite linear mm-hmm. it doesn't deal off with some of the emotional stuff that goes on in some of the situations we're faced with so actually having something where it lets you have that sort of you know, holistic 360 view at the, you know, simultaneously that you can have using the De Bono would, um, is certainly an option to, to try. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I think actually what's um, given me an idea reading through this reflection is if we have to do something as a group reflection, when something has gone mm-hmm. wrong collectively, say, suppose in practice, in a resuscitation scenario, mm-hmm. we could bring De Bono's quite naturally to that mm-hmm. scenario where we reflect as a group and actually I, I um, what I'm thinking now is I've never done this before but it's just one of those uh, ideas that's coming in now into my mind is can we do a group reflection can we use de bonos use our principles of what we know about reflection but do a group reflection for the whole team and come away, come away with then a personal summary of that group reflection using the de bonos method Something I'm keen Why to not? give it a go. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to give that a go the yeah, next time it happens. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's all very inspiring. I, uh, I've i learned a lot just from hearing you, and I didn't even know about some of these other uh, reflective <laughs> methods. So, yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, I think it, I mean I think it's really useful for different trainees and uh, you know people in different aspects of work just to find what what style of reflection works for them as well. Like just as much as different styles of reflections work for different situations, different styles of reflections work better for different trainees. And and uh, you know how, thinking about what Marianne just said, I think one of not necessarily a downside of De Bono's, but certainly one of the difficulties with De Bono's is sometimes you don't need that three sixty degree. It might be way too deep for what you're actually trying mm. to accomplish. But, you know, it's nice to have someone trying something a bit different with their reflections. It's certainly something something new to think about, isn't it? What struck me, as you said that, Jesse, maybe we're doing a disservice to our trainees by not having reflection on the steady days. I think we should dedicate a whole day on reflection because we are expecting our trainees to reflect. It just struck me that we haven't... So if our trainees don't know the models of reflection, we fail them. We're expecting them to reflect but we haven't told them a model of reflection or, you know, they're just seeing one method on Kaizen. Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds oh, like sorry. You've, got, you've had a lot it's more teaching yeah, around this. It's, it's more incorporated into your work, Marianne. It's, it's a key bit of, of undergrad and postgraduate nurse training and education. Um, and certainly 
when I was doing my non-medical describing course, I would have done um, a three or four thousand word reflection on my development as yeah. a prescriber. I've done another four thousand word reflection on my development as in my advanced clinical practice portfolio for, for that qualification. And then again, it's, it's a very regular bit of my practice of reflecting on my learning, reflecting on my experiences, and I use it very regularly to tie in, but it is bread and butter for nursing. So we, mm. we get taught very early on the different models. We learn how to use them in the different situations. So mm. there is an academic. You do get marked on them. Mm. You know, it seems a bit bizarre to have put references in your own reflection, <laughs> but actually, it does show your learning yeah. around the situation. So you know, when I'm learning my clinical decision making and clinical diagnostic skills, I've got to be able to show that yeah. in something tangible, other than my medical mentor sort of saying, "Oh yeah, I, I think you're thinking okay." Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got to be able to sort of articulate that. And medics are not way. great reflectors, actually, and, and that's including me. I, I think there's very, it's all seen as a bit of a feely, touchy thing, which. Mm. Could have said, but I think I found my um, person to contact. To reach out to <laughs> so, you know, there's you, a lot if, of us reflectors out there. If, if you have an email from yeah. me fairly yeah. soon, Marianne, please, uh, you know, I'd be grateful. Because, no but I, I think, think that'd be a great idea. Such, uh, and it would help. It would yeah. definitely help me. <laughs> it's no, like a big penny it. drop for me because, you know, I, I'm. Yeah, I just assumed, you know, we, we were teaching our depression. I, I, I didn't learn any of this until I started my uh, my PG cert. Mm. Um, that was when I first yeah. came across it. So it's not something we get taught as trainees. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, it, it, right? It's yeah. absolutely interesting, yeah. and I think we... Thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so mm. I'd be very grateful if you could, you know, because clearly your experience of teaching, you know, all different groups, undergrad, postgrad, medical students, as I shared with you all earlier, come up to me and say, we don't want to do reflection anymore because the, the joy of reflection has been taken away. Yeah. And going back to my original point, the father of reflection, as we call him, Sean, when he first proposed this model, he didn't have this in mind. He just wanted us to talk about honestly of what mm. was going on. But I think it's evolved into a zone where if somebody does a mistake, go reflect on it. It's like a punishment tool. It's lost its value. Um, and I think looking at some of the recent is incidents that have meant that it's lost its value um, for what is there, you know, is it time for us to actually reclaim it properly? Yeah. And it, it, it has got value. And that's what I mean about reflecting in context. So I accept I have to do an <laughs> academic reflection to pass certain modules me. in university. So that is one type of reflection. And you learn something from that. But actually, in my day-to-day -day practice, it's my personal development type reflections are very, very different. Um, and they're very necessary, and they have lots of value. And I choose where I share them um, as part of my development as an AMP. I've had lots of very challenging situations, establishing the role and dealing with medical colleagues who are <laughs> less than friendly, shall we say. So there, there are times where those reflections have to be really quite honest mm. um, because it's about my own development. Yeah. And then I choose where I share those ones because they are quite personal. And I often share them with other AMPs that are going through training to say, <laughs> you are not alone, <laughs> um, which is always a good thing to do. And that's where reflection has a value that's different again. My other sort of day-to-day -day stuff is about my learning, and it's a very easy way to keep all my notes and all my knowledge in one place so I can find it. So this is another penny drop moment, because I cannot remember a single time when an educational supervisor or a registrar or anyone senior to me has just sat me down and said, look, 
you're not alone. This is one of my reflections mm -hmm. from three or four years ago where I went through something really similar. And what a supportive way to learn yeah. that is. Because, because you see, we, we think reflection should be hidden in a closet. Yeah. And I think we should make that tagline Let's reclaim reflection. I think that was powerful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can we turn that into the title of this one? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 think, I, I think that's a great one-liner, you see, because most of our trainees now, post Baba Gaba, mm -hmm. do not want to reflect. But yeah. not all of it should be clinical reflection. Yeah. Reflection is... And, uh, and equally, not all of it should be negative reflections. Exactly, we do yeah. great things, and it's, yeah. it's okay to, Say to reflect that, on yes. that. Say, this worked really well, yes. and I'm going to do it again next time, <laughs> yeah. even better. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. Because you see, reflection is supposed to be, you know, there are two school of thoughts, isn't it? Should a leader be humble, mm. or should a leader self-promote? Oh, well, oh. The, are you asking her? <laughs> yeah, are you asking her? It's not rhetorical. <laughs> so, so, I think, I think, so this is interesting, because I think being British, we are... Oh, yeah absolutely self-deprecating on pretty much every we can't help it we do just spend a lot of our time even when someone else compliments us our first thought is how do i undermine this compliment <laughs> we can't help it it's in our yeah. very nature yeah. but there's 100 percent a solid argument to be self-promoting to lead from the front and say okay humbleness set aside this is a great thing that's happened other people can learn from this. Yeah. So not instead of worrying about you're going to be sounding big-headed, you should be like, this is this is a phenomenal thing. And other people can learn from this. So why not promote this as, a, as something? Uh, that's a quick-fire thought from okay. me. <laughs> Your thoughts, folks? We could do a podcast on this. <laughs> yeah. either, either leadership and humility. Any, any thoughts? I think, I think it's really challenging i think there is the cultural thing that goes on there and in nursing in particular I've, I've worked as a senior nurse in the past and i felt very much that my responsibility was to be a really good manager for my team that was where i had to do so i never felt that i could take the credit for anything it was mm. there so you do get that bit it's you know and i always look well if everyone around me if i've helped them do better that's where i feel i've done all right but i don't really want anyone to tell me i'm doing okay because exactly. it's a bit embarrassing <laughs> deep rooted humility is part of the society and the fabric mm. but i think the way they're looking at it is if you're a leader you self-promote your team not yourself mm -hmm. so self-promotion is for the team the good things that they've done so rather than self-promote mm -hmm. yourself Whereas the criticism of the current generation, which is the millennials and X, I'm speaking to two millennials. My, yeah. You might be a millennial. I'm not. A very early. So, you know, most millennials are being criticized as trainee doctors, as self-promotional. This is a big debate that's going on on Twitter as well, because if a trainee says, I've done this amazing thing, they're like, oh, but the older generation has never been used to saying. Mm. So... Is it leadership to be humble or coming, you know, it's, it's a big concept, isn't it? So in reflection as well, why can't you say the good things that you've done? Reflection is always that wrong thing that you've done. Mm. It's like punishment, go reflect. Whereas you've done an amazing thing, why don't we reflect on that? Mm. Isn't it? Yeah, so absolutely. Just changing that culture of and how can we get more people doing doing things that way? How can we how can we take what you've learned from doing that well and feed back that process to other people? So, is in a similar situation, if that say if a resuscitation went really well, so as other people know, in a similar resuscitation, those are the properties that we should use as a team. Absolutely. You know, that's really important. Yeah, that's good. Food for thought, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yeah.
Wow, I learned loads from that reflection podcast. As you can probably hear from the podcast, I was having penny drop moments right the way through. So just to go over what was discussed. Reflections is like putting your inner thoughts down in an objective way. We talked about the Sean reflection model, reflecting in action and reflection after action. We talked about the De Bono reflective model, which was the one used by the trainee. And this could be used reflecting as a group. And it's really good because it's non-linear. All the six hats can be worn at the same time and shifting throughout. And it can be reflection used for learning as a whole. They talked briefly about the Gibbs reflective cycle. Hogan, what you are within a moment, but putting it outside. And building on the inner self. The Driscoll model, what, so what, now what. And Marianne talked about realising why you're reflecting and in, in what context this is for. Then also we talked about Confucius. By three methods, we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is the noblest. Second, by imitation, which is the easiest. And third, by experience, which is the bitterest. Promote said about always having a plan A and a plan B when planning teaching sessions. And the big hashtag was, let's reclaim reflection. I'd really like to thank Asim, Promode and Marianne and also the trainee that submitted the reflection. I hope that you've all learned something about reflection from this podcast. We are planning to have a break over the Christmas period. So see you again in two weeks' time. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.